Buddha's brain. Buddha's Brain, The Practical Neuroscience of Happiness, Love, and by Rick Hansen with Richard Mendius. Welcome back to These Are The Words. I'm Eric Grun, and we are reading from the book called Buddha's Brain. Let's pick up where we left on The Self-Transforming Brain. An unprecedented opportunity, much as the microscope revolutionized biology in the past, new research tools such as functional MRIs have led to a dramatic increase in scientific knowledge about the mind and brain. As a result, we now have many more ways to become happier and, a, and more effective in daily life. We have probably learned more about the brain in the past 20 years than in all of recorded history. That was a quote by Alan Leshner. <clears throat> Meanwhile, there's been a growing interest in the contemplative traditions which have been investigating the mind and thus the brain for thousands of years. Quieting the mind, brain, enough to catch its softest murmurs and helping sophisticated ways transform it. If you want to get good at anything, it helps to study those who have already mastered that skill, such as top chefs on TV, if you like to cook. If you'd like to feel more happiness, inner strength, clarity, and peace, it makes sense to learn from contemplative practitioners, both dedicated laypeople and monastics, who've really pursued the cultivation of these qualities. Although contemplative may sound exotic, you've been contemplative if you've ever meditated, prayed, or just looked at the stars with a sense of wonder. The world has many contemplative traditions, most of which are associated with its major religions, including Christianity, Judaism, Islam, Hinduism, and Buddhism. Of these, science has engaged Buddhism the most. Like science, Buddhism encourages people to take nothing on faith alone and does not require a belief in God. It also has a detailed model of the mind that translates well to psychology and neurology. Consequently, with great respect for other contemplative traditions, we'll draw particularly on Buddhist perspectives and methods. Anything less than a contemplative perspective on life is an almost certain program for unhappiness. A quote by Father Thomas Keating. <clears throat> Imagine each of these disciplines 
psychology, neurology, and contemplative practice as a circle. The intersection of three disciplines, and now they have a diagram showing three circles um, intertwined. Psychology, neurology, and contemplative practice. The discoveries being made at that intersection are only just starting to show their promise, but scientists, cl clinicians, and contemplatives have already learned a great deal about the brain, a great deal about the brain states that underlie wholesome mental states and how to activate those brain states. These important discoveries give you a great ability to influence your own mind. You can use that ability to reduce any distress or dysfunction, increase well-being, <clears throat> excuse me, you can use that ability to reduce any stress or dysfunction, increase well-being, and support spiritual practice. These are the central activities of what support of what could be called the path of awakening. And our aim is to use brain science to help you to help you travel far and well upon it. <clears throat> No book can give you the brain of a Buddha, but by better understanding the mind and brain of people who've gone a long way down this path, you can develop more of their joyful, caring, and insightful qualities within your own mind and brain as well. The history of science is rich in the example of the fruitfulness of bringing two sets of techniques, two sets of ideas, developed in separate contexts for the pursuit of new truth into touch with one another. That was a quote by J. Rob Robert Oppenheimer. J. Robert Oppenheimer. <clears throat> I said I would read about I would read a little bit in the uh, chapter one of the Dhammapada the Dhammapada or Dharmapada Dhammapada or the path of the Dharma Dharmapada okay chapter one the pairs we read last time, mind precedes all mental states. Mind is their chief. Mind, mind precedes all mental states. Okay, so now we, we read, we read about states that says, the discoveries being made at that intersection are only just starting to show their promise, but scientists, clinicians, and contemplatives have already learned a great deal about the brain states that underlie wholesome mental states and how to activate those brain states. So this paragraph, this sentence says, 
contemplatives have already learned a great deal about the brain states that underlie, that are underneath wholesome mental states and how to activate those brain states. Okay? But the Dhammapada says, mind precedes all mental states. Mind comes before all mental states. Mind is their chief. What is that, right? You have to understand. Mind is their chief. Is the chief of all mental states. They are all mind wrought. Mental states are worked by the mind. And mind is the chief of all mental states. If with an impure mind a person speaks or acts, suffering follows him like the wheel that follows the foot of the ox. And the second pair goes, mind precedes all mental states. Mind is their chief. They are all mind wrought. If with a pure mind a person speaks or acts, happiness follows him like his never departing shadow. Okay, so now we're going to move on to the second pair in the Dhammapada. He abused me. He struck me. He overpowered me. He robbed me. Those who harbor such thoughts do not steal their hatred. The second pair. He abused me. He struck me. He overpowered me. He robbed me. Those who do not harbor such thoughts still their hatred. Again, he abused me. He struck me. He overpowered me. He robbed me. Those who harbor such thoughts do not still their hatred. He abused me. He struck me. He overpowered me. He robbed me. Those who do not harbor such thoughts still their hatred. Again, he abused me. He struck me. He overpowered me. He robbed me. Those who harbor such thoughts do not still their hatred. He abused me. He struck me. He overpowered me. He robbed me. Those who do not harbor such thoughts still their hatred. Okay, so now we got the Dhammapada, 
backing up what it says here. These important discoveries give you a great ability to influence your own mind. You can use that ability to reduce any distress or dysfunction, increase well-being, and support spiritual practice. These are the central activities of what could be called the path of awakening. And our aim is to use brain science to help you travel far and well upon it. No book can give you the brain of a Buddha. But by better understanding the mind and brain of people who've gone a long way down this path, you can develop more of their joyful, caring, and insightful qualities within your own mind and brain as well. Okay, talking about brain states. Brain states. It says in the, in the Dhammapada, those are the words of the Buddha, that mind precedes all brain states, comes before all brain states. And mind is the chief of all brain states. And mind works out all brain states. So therefore, we need to come to what is called pure mind. When we come to pure mind, happiness will follow us like our shadows. Like our shadow. It will not leave us. But then it says, what is one of the methods of developing a happy mind? Developing a mind, a state of mind that is happy and well and calm and peaceful and loving and wise. How? It says, do not harbor such thoughts as he harmed me, he robbed me, he insulted me, he struck me. So this is the way to still our hatred. Why is that in the beginning of the Dhammapada? The very first the very first few paragraphs in the Dhammapada have to deal with first the couple first couple paragraphs have to deal with the mind, second couple paragraphs have to deal with stilling our hatred. Stilling our hatred. I was talking about 3,000 realms in a single moment to my friend, and I can explain it right now. 3,000 realms in a single moment means, okay, there are 10 worlds in Buddhism. There are 10 worlds, and I will go over the 10 worlds for the next episode. But just know this, there are 10 worlds in, in Buddhism, and each of those 10 worlds exists in every other 10, in, in, any, of, in any of the 10. So the first one, all 10 worlds exist in the first world. The second world, all 10 worlds exist in the second world. The third world, all 10 worlds exist in the third world. 
the fourth world, all ten worlds exist in the fourth world, and etc., etc., and it goes on and on and on. <clears throat> so there are ten worlds, and all of them exist in each other, okay? So imagine, imagine like the chakras, but imagine now ten chakras, and the first chakra has all ten worlds, all of the other ten uh, all the other nine uh, chakras within that world, within that chakra. And the second chakra has all the other nine chakras in that chakra, okay? Something like that. Imagine like that, okay? And all states of mind arise from those worlds, okay? So, there are 3,000, if... There's a there's a some kind of mathematical calculation that makes 3000 worlds possible in a single moment. All of those worlds have different qualities and all of those states of mind exists within those worlds. So every single decision that we make, every single moment has the potential to outline our entire destiny okay every single moment we can make a decision that sends us into the next part of our world and we can start operating start thinking start acting start being from that state of mind from that state of mind from that particular world so I'm going to go into more detail later in a later episode, but just know this, three, there are 3,000 possibilities, there are 3,000 worlds that you can enter into every single moment, and one of those worlds is the world of a Buddha, and the world of a Buddha exists in every other world. The Buddha is always present. The Buddha is always in every single world. Okay? And I'll go into more detail in, in later episodes. But just know this. Every single moment with every single decision we make in speech, in action, and in thought, we can enter into the world of a Buddha. Okay? Enter into the state of mind the same as a Buddha. Okay? So we can determine our destiny based upon the decisions we make every single moment. Okay, I'm going to leave it there. The next episode, I'll pick it up again on this book, The Awakening Brain, and continue with the Dhammapada. Thank you so much for listening. God bless you. I love you. And peace out.